was a man And he was doing all right Frankie went round the corner To get a bucket of beer Said to the man called the bartender Have you seen my Johnny here? He's my man And I love him so Never seen that position before. Hey guys, it's Marlon Mathers. Hey, Marlon. Hey, Marlon. Hey, Marlon. Oh, up to my neck and muscles. <laughs> Miss Manners, I'm Coach Foreman. On behalf of the United States athletic team, may I say it's a great honor to have you here. Yeah. The pleasure is all mine. Would you mind holding him? All right, fellas, we've got to meet tomorrow. Let's get back to work. Matters. Maybe you'd like to meet the team. Wow, what do we have here? Oh, that looks heavy. I lifted twice as much in the Olympics, Miss Matters. Did you get a medal? No, I got a hernia. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Better give that a rest. <laughs> you hear that, Ricky? Oh, what are you doing? I'm a pole vaulter. Oh, aren't we all? Which one of you guys throw the spear? You mean the javelin, Miss yeah, Manners? Yeah, the javelin. That's me. Oh, I'd sure like to see you, javelin. Sure, I'll go get it. Oh. Excuse me, Miss Manners. Would you mind stepping over here for a minute? Oh. I'd like to get another shot with you and the boys. That's perfect, Miss Manners. Wow, all this meat and no potatoes. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of True Stories of Tinseltown. Today, again, we have um, April Vivier with us, and we are doing um, History of Blonde Bombshells, and today is Miss Ms. May West, Miss West, and April, of, I think you guys know, is a classic movie historian and a classic blonde historian and definitely a blonde bombshell Miss Know-It-All. <laughs> Hi, April. Welcome. <laughs> Hi, Grace. You always give the best introductions. I need to call you when I need a pep talk. <laughs> pep, pep, pep. I'll give you a pep talk. <laughs> if you just heard me about like 45 minutes ago, you would have really needed it. <laughs> you would have gone, oh, no. Okay. I got to give her a pep talk. But thank you, April. Um, I'm so happy you're here. And we are talking about our lovely May. So why don't she, she is a bomb bombshell, that's for sure. But, you know, in my eyes, and April and I have discussed it, she's not really like a sexy bombshell. She's sort of like a, how would we call her? Sort of a. She's kind of body. A body, not really like, I don't think a pinup girl kind of bombshell, but she is a riot. So why don't you start us off, April? Um, Wherever we'll, we'll start. Yeah, no. Um, so Grace has done previous podcasts on May, so I, I'm sure she will throw links up for that. So we're not going to go too much into her early life, which is kind of wrapped in mystery anyway. Um, but May really rose to fame um, in 1927 with the release of her play, which was entitled Sex. She wrote um, it, right? She did. She may wrote most of her plays. Now there's issues about if her later plays were actually ghostwritten, but I digress. This one she did write and it was, you know, really successful. And then may gets thrown into prison for 10 days. And, you know, this just put May in the national headlines. People were just amazed that a woman had written a you know, entitled and about sex you know, in 1927. And of course, Hollywood really starts to take notice of her. Um, she ends up getting an offer to sign with Paramount Studios in 1932. And she is put in the wonderful film Night After Night. I love that movie. She, I love it. It's, it's not a good film, but boy, May, whoa, she takes it. She she does, and you know it, it was said that May stole everything but the studio lights. Yeah, that's what George uh, Raff said. He said she was unbelievable, yeah. but he didn't mind. He loved May. He was friends with oh, her. No, he he had a great friendship with May, which you know what we'll go into that a little bit later. But you know he 
she was just there and she was definitely a scene stealer. But how could you not look at me, I guess, is the bigger question. And we've never seen anybody like her body. You know, oh, her, but, you know, she comes in with the diamonds and the girl says how. Oh, exactly. I, I, I can't like remember what it was, but it, it was just funny. Exactly. She's like the sex symbol grown up. Yeah. You know, this is like what you imagine people like Marilyn or Jean or, you know, even Jane Mansfield being like when they're older. Um, May was 39 years old when she was signed with Paramount. Which is like Grandma Walton at that point, you know. It it is. And, you know, she makes her next film, which is actually um, the shortest film to ever be nominated for Best Picture. And that is She Done Him Wrong with Cary Grant. And that movie was kind of a train wreck for the censors. Um, Mae West is actually looked at as the person who really made, you know, the Hayes Code get strictly enforced, even though that really wouldn't happen until 1934. But most film historians agree that she done him wrong. It's really the film that, you know, kicked it into high gear and made the censors think, oh, we we need to start really censoring. Yeah, they, she made it hard for him. And she also, you know, she put her own lines and she would, she would, um, what do you, she would do improv. She would just do, you know, put in her own lines here and there. But do you, tell me, do you really think, because this is a, some people think no, Carrie Grant said no way, that she discovered Carrie. And I think, yes, she did. If not discovered him, but she put him on the map. Yeah, I I think that is very a very fair evaluation. I know Cary Grant was always very resentful of that. Um, it's not to say that Cary Grant didn't work before because he obviously did. But you know, she done him wrong was everyone saw it. It, it was a blockbuster. You know, and that Carrie was greatly aided by the film. We'll be diplomatic and we'll just say he was greatly aided. By yeah. It. And he also knew that he was just, I mean, it was all May. He's gorgeous, but it was all May. You know, he really didn't have to really do a lot of acting because May was just May, 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 May. Right. Exactly. It's, it's a complete reversal of gender roles. Yes. You know, we, we look at like these old, you know, movies and we see a lot of very pretty women who are basically, you know, just dressing, you know, they're just adding to the ambience, but it's, you know, it's, it's focused on the men, but with this movie may completely flips it. She is the star. You are supposed to look at her and Cary Grant is just supposed to, you know, shut up and look. And he does. He looks very pretty. But he does look pretty, you know, and it's such an accomplishment for me, too, because off of, you know, like a Hollywood timeline, she should be playing his mother. I know, really? That's, you know, like you and, you know, sexism towards women was so, you know, we're starting to get out of that. But it was so bad, you know, back in the day. If you have ever seen the TV show Green Acres, the woman who played Eddie Albert's mother was only five months older than him. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, women, you you get past the age of 35 and you better start taking on, you know, these matronly roles. And you're, you know, the parent to like the 16, 17 year old and you hit 40 and you're a grandparent. And how you look, it's how they age the women. They may, you know, I'm watching Forbidden and I'm doing a podcast with a woman who wrote the longest biography ever. And I love her, Vicky, on Barbara Stanwyck. And it only goes to 1940. And, um... You look at this and uh, the forbidden, and she's aging, and it's supposed to be they've been together for twenty. I don't know, I don't know how many years, but she looks. Uh, she said she looks sixty. I said she no, like no sixty-year-old I know. And when you're forty, they put that like gray streak in your hair and this whole thing, <laughs> and it was just weird. Like you're a real dowdy old bag, and here's May. Exactly. You know, you hit 40 and you're one step, you know, away from being thrown in a group home. But, um, (laughs) you know, May does it. She's 39 years old. She is at her sexual peak. She knows that she's at her sexual peak and she is just going with it. 
And, you know, I think the thing with May and why I want to kind of focus on her, a little bit of her later career for this episode is that May keeps on going with that. You know, May's 87 when she dies, but in her last movie, she's supposed to be 28 years old. <laughs> and what would you, she was like, what, 83 or something? <laughs> yeah, she, that that movie started started filming um, in seventy six, seventy seven. Seventy six is announced, and, and she it died in nineteen eighty, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she she's eighty three, and she's playing a twenty eight year old. I love that, and I believe, and and I don't think she was kidding, right? She really no, she thought she looked the same that she you know did. You know, she had been asked. Well, I guess we'll get into that. But, yeah, no, May, May thought that she definitely could pass as a 28-year-old woman marrying, you know, 29-year-old Timothy Dalton. I'd love her mirror. <laughs> Give it to me, uh, please. You know I love her bed, which you can actually see in um, She Done Him Wrong. She has the famous swan bed in that film, and then that bed is, you know, continues to be used in sex ed. <laughs> her bed. Yes. And, uh She's just too funny. Her, I'm just really like the the delusion mirror to see myself when I'm 87 as I'm 28 years old. That would be such a lovely way. Or you know, some people made fun of her, whatever. And but I we digress, and I'm digressing here. So let's go back to uh, May and her career in Hollywood. And she was the highest paid woman there, wasn't she? She was. She was the highest paid woman. She demanded that she be paid at least a dollar more than the highest paid person in Hollywood, including the studio locals. And May could command these top salaries, which also explains why she has rather long gaps where she's not working because – she was smart. She invested in real estate. You know, she made investments on the stock market and she's able to, you know, she doesn't have to work, but she continues working because it's Mae West. And she is just, you know, like this sexual tornado and she, you know, can keep getting roles. People will still pay her and she demands top dollar in order to play them. I read like 300 grand plus percentage of the profit. And if she sang or there was a song, 100 grand more. That's a lot of moolah. Go, May, go. Yeah, no, people talk about Elizabeth Taylor's salary, you know, and Cleopatra, but you really got to look at May West. Because at that time, that was probably three mil or at least at least a million at that time, $300,000. And then some of the gross and then another hundred grand that had to be big, big moolah. Oh no, most definitely. Yeah. I, I would say with everything that she was making, she was probably making equivalent today between five and $6 million. <laughs> and she, you know, the thing that killed me, but I guess she lived the life she wanted to live, but I don't believe she was really, you know, like a Hollywood insider. She didn't you hang around with women. She didn't like women. She didn't, I don't think she went to the parties or you wouldn't see her at Ciro or the Brown Derby or Trocadero or these kind of places. Do you think? Because I, I, I've never seen pictures of her. I, I think I've seen pictures of her maybe at some award show or something like that, but never really in a nightclub environment. Well, Jane, or Jane, God. Well, May was vehemently against smoking and drinking, Mm. so the nightclub scene wouldn't really have been May's thing. Mm -hmm. Instead, May was, you know, happy to have an intimate dinner with, you know, somebody and see where it led. Did you ever see the movie Female? I haven't. You have to see it because it's... It's really about a woman who is big. Uh, she, I think her father owned the company and she took it over. He's dead. And she just, it's, it's pre-May. It's like she gets, hires these pretty boys. And then she said, oh, come on, let's discuss some business when we get home. And she has martinis made. And it's a light, low lit music. <laughs> and then they go out, I have some swim trunks for you. And they go out into the pool. And then, you know, they do what men do when they take home secretaries or something it was just the whole switch on it and it was so funny and then one day she gets a guy who just wants to recite poetry (laughs) 
and he doesn't want to have sex with her. And she's like, oh, I have a dreadful headache. You have to go home. But it's such a good movie until the ending. I, I would love to see have you see it. The ending wouldn't be May's ending, but she was very, it, it's a good movie for people to see, to see a woman in power and using men like men used women. And it, it it's it's a good movie. Except for the end, and I'm not gonna give I'm not gonna give you the spoiler. <laughs> um, no, I will definitely have to watch it because I, I do trust your movie recommendations. Um, but you know, May May keeps up with this, and then the censors really start cracking down on May. Um, you know, they're kind of like, "Hey, we need to tone her down." Thirty six May really, you know, starts to experience the full pull of the censors, and. She, you know, gets teamed up with W.C. Fields. They can't stand each other. May hates him because he drinks. Fields hates her because he's W.C. Fields. And didn't she write the script, My Little Chickadee? She, yes, she did write the script for My Little Chickadee. Um, May had also done the script for She Done Him Wrong. It was originally entitled Diamond Lil. Which she did on Broadway, uh, right? It was a play. She did, and she we'll get into it, but she kept doing it even after she was out of films. And, um, yeah, she, you know, she's writing the script. She's getting, you know, money for that, which probably contributes a little bit to, you know, fields feelings against her. Uh And, you know, she, she's just doing her own thing. I mean, you know, at this point she's in her mid forties and she makes her last movie while she's still, you know, really famous, uh, in 1943. And that film is entitled the heats on. Uh, so I, I guess, yeah, that this is where we're going to start getting more into the nitty gritty. Um, the heats on was not a success, correct? It wasn't. Wasn't it? She, you know, she had to dress modern. It wasn't like a, you know, like one of her usual films where she's sort right. of... Right, um, it's not a period piece, and to be right. honest with you, it's, it's just kind of a weak script. I've but, never seen it. I have to check it out. Yeah, no, you should watch it just because of its significance, but I won't say it's an amazing movie. Um, But, you know, so 1943, Babe realizes, hey, you know, my film career really isn't going anywhere. And, you know, a very smart decision for herself after, you know, 11 years of success on screen, she pulls out. She doesn't want to work in B pictures. She doesn't want to work in like European pictures. She's just going to pull out and go back to being on the stage, which is what she is used to. Um, May was a very heavy spiritualist. She believed very strongly in the occult. She actually ended up writing a book about did it. Did she really? Out. Was it she, she did. pen name or was it really May? No, it, so what it is, is she used a ghostwriter for it who didn't even put his name on it. But it's not a ghostwriter from the standpoint of they're just going to write a book and slap her name on it. Instead, what it is, is the ghostwriter did a bunch of interviews with her and then writes a book trying to sound like May. It's relatively oh expensive. I have never been able to obtain a copy of this book. I've never heard but it of was, it. it. Yeah, it was called Sex, Health, and ESP, and it came out in 1973. But I do have May's first book, which is Goodness Had Nothing to Do With It, um, which came out in 1959. Um, but... You know, she she's really involved with spiritualism, and she has been seeing a man for a number of years. He's an Indian spiritualist. His name, and I am probably completely, you know, butchering this, is Sri Deva Ram Sukul. And sounds good to me. Yeah, that I'm obviously very fluent in Hindu, <laughs> uh, but Sri, as, as she calls him, Sri is her spiritual advisor. In 1941, she meets a man named Thomas Jack Kelly, who is the head of the spiritual spiritual church life of Buffalo. And supposedly Kelly predicts Pearl Harbor to her. Um, amongst some other things, he predicts that Roosevelt will be elected for a fourth term. And she really, you know, surrounds herself with Kelly and Shri, and she takes life advice from them. Um, which ties into my next part, I promise. In 1943, right after, you know, the 
her movie doesn't do well and she's going out of Hollywood. Mike Todd announces that he is going to be producing a number of plays, one of which is Catherine Was Great with Mae West. It is based on the life of Catherine the Great of Russia. And obviously that is who Mae is playing. Um, Shree tells her that... You know, Catherine is communicating with her from beyond the dead, telling her that she needs to take this part and she's going to be great. Supposedly, Kelly tells her, you know, that Catherine wants her to play the part very seriously. And brother is all (laughs) on it. Um, So she starts fighting with Todd quite a bit, which if anyone here knows anything about Mike Todd, he's not the easiest person yeah, to get along. No, he was quite kind of, um, uh, kind of a, he vulgary. He didn't hold back. He was kind of a humongous showman who he just went over the top with a lot of stuff. And he was vulgar. He, he was supposedly they got in a fight one time. He basically told her to FO and oh, no. said that she had to play it his way. And, of course, May stormed out. It was a huge production. But um, May, well, May wants to play this as a serious part. She wants to show off her dramatic acting ability. And Todd tells her, you are a comedian. This needs to be a comedic role. And how old was um, she at the time? Like uh, 50 or something? She's 50. <laughs> she She's 50 when, um, well, the play got announced a couple weeks before her 50th birthday. But once she's on stage and everything, she is almost 51 by the time it comes to fruition. But um, May proceeds to, you know, work on the script. She's super involved, just like she had been in her movies. And the play doesn't do horribly. There's, you know, it's kind of mixed reactions. Um, But it did run for 34 weeks. Um, It opened on August 2nd, 1944, and it closed, you know, 34 weeks later, spring of 45. Um, Um, Did she play it straight? She... She did it. She did it. There's comedic moments, but she did try to play it straight from all accounts. Um, She would listen to criticism and she did tone down some of the dramatic acting per Todd's request, but not completely. Um, In order to kind of undermine her, Todd had brought in a Russian historian who said that the play was all out of whack. It wasn't, you know, nothing was in order. And May just writes it off and says, well, that's how I wrote it. <laughs> um, but the, the play does do moderately well. It, it's not a complete flop. Um, interestingly, there was a bit player in it named Dick Ellis who would grow. Well, I shouldn't say grow up, but as he got older, would be known as Mr. Blackwell. And of course, oh, Mr. Don't Blackwell. Know him. He had his 10, <laughs> 10 worst dress list. Yeah, or no, Jane Mansfield was the only person to receive his, you know, award, I guess you could say, of best undress. <laughs> she did look Well, really, really was good. worst undressed, but anyway. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so he, he, you know, he has a bit part in the play, helps him, you know, get solidified in the, you know, life of Hollywood, I guess you could say. Um, in 1946... May goes on to do a play called Ring Twice Tonight, which has I who poses as a cabaret singer. It's kind of all over the place, and the play actually did not do that well. It was originally supposed to go for up to nine months, and it only ended up lasting a few months. Um, so at this point, you know, May is probably a little disheartened. Um, while Catherine was great, had done pretty well ring twice tonight had not so in 1947 actually on september 11th uh may leaves to go resurrect her role as diamond lil in england um the play opens in 1948 and it won't close until may when and they were doing two performances a night the play was a smashing success People in England absolutely loved her. Of course, people came from the continent over to see her. It it was super, super successful. Um, One almost wishes that May had been able just to keep working, you know, in that. Um, But May, you know, misses her home. And she goes back um, 
gosh, sorry. She goes back on May 15th to New York. And what's the year? 1948. Uh And she goes back to New York and she resurrects Diamond Lil again. And she starts it in December on December 27th. And there are breaks in between here, but the play basically ran from December 27th, 1948 until November of 1951, Mm -hmm. which is, of course, a rather large amount of time for the play to run. Um, It's on Broadway until June 21st of 1950. And then it takes, you know, over a year to tour around the United States and May participates in the tour, which if people know about Broadway, most of the time the star is not participating. Yeah, they don't go on the road. Yeah. Right. But May does for over a year. She's amazing. And And do, you know, Broadway is not an easy thing to, you know, you do one show a night and then you do the two Wednesday, you know, you have matinee Wednesday and Saturday, and then you have a show Sunday afternoon, and then you're off Sunday night, Monday. And it's a lot of work and it's a lot of stuff. And she was no, well, she was, she was youthful because she was always youthful. So I guess it just made her feel good. I guess also, I think her ego would not be able to handle someone else taking over her role, you know? May was no, May. I don't think so. No? I, exactly. No, no, I, I agree with you. I don't yeah. think her ego would have allowed it. I mean, she had written the play. This play was her baby. She is going to want to play Diamond Lil. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so... Obviously, the play is very successful. May is bringing in hundreds of thousands of dollars, and and that's just for herself. <laughs> okay. So one of May's performers, while you know she is doing Diamond Lil again, is Steve Cochran. Um, Steve Cochran obviously had a very infamous death in the '60s, but uh, Steve and May supposedly had an affair together. I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything else beyond that. Um, but he was a cutie, got to say. He was, and he just, he wanted a harem. He was just out. He was the male May West. He was. Uh, he, I would have, I want to do a show on Steve Cochran. He's fascinating. Uh, yeah, no, he, he really is. He dated Jane for a while, too, which is how I first got into him. Yes. But um, anyway, so, you know, May is sitting there. She's, you know, working with Steve Cochran. They may or not be sleeping together. Wink, wink. (laughs) So you may, you know, complimenting another actor who's working on the play with them. And Steve Cochran has kind of a passive aggressive sense of humor, which would really irritate May. So she's complimenting this actor and Steve Cochran chimes in. Well, why don't you come into my dressing room and see me sometime? Which, of course, is, you know, Going back to May's film and her famous line of why don't you come up sometime and see me from she done him wrong. May is apparently extremely offended by this and her relationship with Cochran really cools. Um, But, you know, she kept working and everything. Like I said, they go off the road in um, November of 1951 and May doesn't do like a whole lot. I mean, you know, she works sporadically, but she has earned so much money that she doesn't have to work. Finally, um, in 1954, she gets the idea for um, a muscle man show. And part of this might have been spurned on by the loss of her dear manager, uh, James Timoney, which I think you have a story about him, Grace. Well, not really. It's just my friend was cast. They were going to do a movie. They were, uh, I'm sorry, a Broadway show about May and her relationship with him. And um, my friend, who is a, he used to be a comic years ago, but he owns he owns a couple of comedy clubs in Manhattan. Uh, he tried out and he got the part. Go, I'll go. And um, uh. They had, they, they do it. They take it around to get a Broadway show to work. You got to get investors and they take it around and show it to people. And I really didn't get the clear story from Al, but I guess they didn't get enough investors and he wasn't really, really interested in doing Broadway because it's a lot of work. So I don't know what happened, but it ain't out yet. Maybe it will be. I'm not sure. No, that would be great. I would love to see that. Um, Her relationship with Timoney had obviously spanned back several decades. They had originally gone out for a little bit. The relationship cooled, but he took over as her manager, and she was absolutely devastated when he passed away. 
Um, so, you know, Jane has this muscle man, Jane, May has this muscle man show and, uh, she shops around to some Vegas hotels and finally Bill Miller at the Sahara hotel agrees to take it. Um, May hires a producer slash director slash choreographer named Charles O'Curran. Um, and Charles O'Curran and May start out strong and it quickly fizzles. <laughs> um, supposedly the main reason for it, or at least the start of the decline is because May showed, you know, Charles a picture of Marilyn Monroe and she was expecting him to say that she looked better. <laughs> And, you know, she said to him, well, which one of us looks younger or Mm. something along those lines? And he skirts the question, just says, well, I've never really thought of either one of your ages. May is absolutely livid. I mean, he was diplomatic about it. He he was. (laughs) But, you know, Marilyn's 28. And at this point, you know, May is 61. Yeah. And, you know, boy, Marilyn was so beautiful. So gorgeous, though. Young and vibrant, you know. She was. And I mean, May looks very good for her age at this point, but not 28-year-old good for her age. Yeah, and she Um, was never like a Marilyn type. She was May body, boo, boo, boo. You know, Marilyn was a totally different type than May. Exactly. Um, The show does end up, though, getting picked up and everything after O'Curran is ousted, and it debuted in the Congo Room of the Sahara on July 27th, 1954, and it was a hit. People absolutely loved it. How many muscle dudes did she have? um, Between, like, 8 and 12, it vacillates. Didn't she want that? Didn't somebody want to put showgirls in there with that too? But of course, Mae would put the kibosh. May, in that. No, yeah. this was not going to be showgirls. May, May is you know the showgirl. She, she is the showgirl. She is only going to perform with men. <laughs> you know, someone described her as the original like chauvinist. <laughs> she just, she is not going to have anyone upstage her. No. She is the woman. She is the focus. You are going to look at her. And again, I mean, is it really that different from Frank Sinatra singing Surrounded by Showgirls? No, not really. <laughs> but no. but we he, look was, at- he was a little more, you know, I guess men are different for the majority because, you know, I know, and I don't like that about some women is that they're just, you know, oh, she's cute. I hate her, whatever, whatever. But men, you know, if they meet somebody, you know, they're like, hey, go get him, Buster. You know, something like that. With Frank, he was surrounded by Dino, who was very cute, and other people. And, you know, he was not the hunk of hunk of burning love that Elvis was, but he was very cute in his own way and had great talent. Um, So I... I digress. We go back to May not having showgirls because May is the one and only babe on Earth of Earth. She is. So the show ends up moving to the Latin Quarter, you know, kind of goes on tour, but it's at the Latin Quarter for quite a while. Um, And in 1956, May 13th, actually, of 1956, Jane Mansfield decides to come in and view (laughs) the performance. And who's on stage but her future husband, Mickey Hargitay. Now, there are some issues with, you know, the Mickey May relationship. Some people claim that Mickey slept with May. Some people claim that May wasn't interested in Mickey. Jane and Mickey would obviously claim that Mickey wasn't interested in May, but May was interested in him. But whatever happened, there was a gigantic fight between all of them <laughs> that made it into the papers. And they were just making quips. All three of them were making quips back and forth. You know, Mickey and Jane against May and May against both of them. Uh, but May apparently offers to raise Mickey's salary if he will get rid of Jane. Mickey refuses. And... You know, May is just absolutely furious. She's at a press conference and she's speaking out against, you know, Mickey and Jane. And Mickey is furious. He storms into the room. Um, Chuck Crozer, who is another one of the muscle men there, (laughs) stands up thinking that he is going to hit May. 
So he punches Mickey in the face. May falls down screaming that she's an institution. <laughs> and it's just complete chaos. Did this, I can't imagine, just because Mickey Haggard left her for Jane Mansfield, she has to have a press conference? She, she does. She's very angry about this, you know, because... Jane's a babe and young. She is. And, you know, Jane at this point has just turned 23. Mm. And May is, you know, 63 at this point. Going on 28. Love that mirror, man. Going on 27. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I think she'd be offended thinking that someone would think she is 28 at this age. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, anyway, so... There's a huge fight. Mickey has a black eye and a cut up lip and a cut on his forehead. He goes to New York. This is happening in Washington, D.C. He returns to New York to go live with Jane. He files charges against Chuck. It's just a gigantic scandal. But tons but, of publicity for Jane. It is tons of publicity. Jane, <laughs> this is one of the few times that I can honestly say that Jane was pretty mean-spirited. It didn't happen that often, but it did with May. She repeatedly made cracks about Jane. Or Jane repeatedly made cracks about May's age. She said that she would hope when she was in her, you know, 64, that she could be just like May. You know, <laughs> it, it, it didn't go well. To, we'll just leave it at that. But um, finally, you know, Chuck is found guilty of assaulting Mickey. He has to pay a fine and some restitution, and it's just a gigantic scandal. There's a court trial that May goes to recently. Well, a couple of years ago, actually, her deposition sold on eBay for, you know, a couple hundred dollars. I sadly was outbid on it. But it's just a media circus for months. This I, know, I can't imagine I've never read that. I have to check that out. I never knew this information about May. This is totally interesting and new fact for me. Thank you, April. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I, I cover it briefly in publicity. I think I have a picture of there with Mickey with the cut eye. Yes, you but, do. <laughs> um, no, no, yeah, no, I, I didn't go too much into the court trial thing, but this is just a complete media circus. I mean, everyone is on it. Mickey's saying, you know, why would I want to be with a 70-year-old woman when I can be with a 23-year-old, you know, hottie, basically? Ouch, and May wasn't course- even 70 to kill it. <laughs> she wasn't. Her, her age keeps going up, and, you know, like I said, Jane and Mickey just are continuously throwing barbs at her. But, of course, Jane's mad because May's sitting there saying, like, she's untalented, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm sure that Mickey was kind of spurring it on with things that May had said in private. But I digress. Obviously, Mickey gets kicked out of the show. Um, And May says, well, he was last year's model and she wants this year's, you know, model, which is 1956's Mr. Universe. (laughs) Um, Jane, Jane, May did have an issue sleeping with men who were married and had children, um, which Mickey was both of those things at this point. That's very Um, obvious, right? (laughs) It is. is, It's her own hang up. You know, she she has an issue with it. Um, In the 70s, she was offered, you know, someone offered to have her go meet Catherine Hepburn. And she refused because of Catherine's relationship with Spencer Tracy. Wow. She said she lived with a married man for years. Wow. That, That was the. That was May's, like, moral base. She did not want to go with married men, probably because she didn't want to be listed as, you know, a factor for a divorce. But, uh, and I can't say she never did, but, you know. Well, that, we really that a- don't even know who she did go out with because she was so, so private, you know. Exactly. And, and that's why I can't say for sure that she never did. But at least publicly, she was And even privately, she was very much against sleeping with a married man. So did she sleep with Mickey? Did she not sleep with Mickey? No one's ever going to know. (laughs) Um, Anyway, but, you know, she has this whole hubbaloo about this. Um, Chuck, it's worth noting that Chuck would eventually change his name to Paul Novak. And after the fight with Mickey, it really solidified his relationship with May. And he would be with May until the day she died. 
And I heard he adored her and he he took care of her. He felt that he, and it was true. Do you think that they had, um, we can't know. I know people who said, yes, he, they had, uh, I had two mate talks and they believe that they really did have a physical relationship. And do you? Uh, you know, I I think they uh, probably not when she was eighty seven, but I think, <laughs> I think during this, yeah, no, but I think during this time they did. You know, Paul or Chuck or whatever we want to call him, or Chester, which was his you know original name. But uh, Paul would eventually say that he was put on this earth to care for Mae West. Yeah, I read that quote. I, yeah, I, I think he really did love her, and I do think that they probably had a, you know a normal healthy sexual relationship probably up until you know like the 1960s so for at least 10 years um he lived with her all that time he he did paul lived with her he made all of her meals he watched her exercise regimen he did everything for her he just he absolutely he was sort of her 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 wife yeah Yeah. that's a good way to describe it he's her wife and Um, she was married right we never discuss it about her marriage, but it was only she really didn't want to be married, but she did get married. She, she years, did. She years, got years married. ago. Yeah, she got married in 1911 when she was 18 um, to a fellow actor. It, it came out though in the 1930s when he filed for divorce, and it was a huge scandal. But uh, she, you know, she got her divorce. She never married Paul, but she did genuinely love Paul. And um, supposedly Paul was going to be, there was going to be a bigger inclusion of Paul in her will, and she was going to leave everything to him. However, she never got around to changing it because Paul suggested she not change it until after her sister Beverly died. Did he get anything? Uh, but we're going ahead of it. But he did. He did. He, he did. Um, Paul actually got $10,000. Oh, And they God. had made a bunch of joint investments with each other. So Paul actually did pretty well. Mm. Not that that was at the top of his list by any means. I think he really was just devoted to May, but he he did do very well. Um, So we, they're doing their thing. Do you think she was uh, seeing other men? She needed adulation, you know, from people. Do you think she saw anyone while she was with Paul? I, I think she liked attention, but I, I would be very surprised to find out that she had any type of like sexual relationship with a man outside of Paul after they started really going exclusively with each other between like late 56 and 57. That wasn't public, though, was it? Um, not, not really. Paul would escort her to everything, but Paul was also known to like wear a chauffeur's uniform. So mm. the people could think that may was single <laughs> you know men could Paul, keep their hopes up that you know may could yeah be yeah exactly and you know but no paul um paul escorted her to everything and like he really babied her there there's you know he was her butler her maid he was her everything and i think she did genuinely love paul i would say paul was the love of her life but um anyway so we'll fast forward a little bit here. 1961, she starts, she's back on stage, and she is playing in Sextet, which, of course, will become a movie. Oh, and I didn't know Sextet was a play. It, it was. It was written by May. She, of course, starred in it. Um, it as a it did, 27-year-old. As a 27-year-old, and at this point in 1961, May would have been almost 70. She would have been 68. <laughs> go, May, go, right? Right. <laughs> um, but, no, she she's going to keep going. She's, she's you know, chugging along. Um, and then, you know, 60s are kind of a poor time for May, you know, which makes sense because it's the 60s. There, there's quite a big change. But in 1968, um, May agrees to do probably her most infamous role, which is Leticia, who is a press agent in the Gore Vidal film Myra Breckenridge. I have that taped. I have to watch that again. What a movie. Oh, my God. Everyone should watch it at least once. There's no other way to describe it. May got good reviews, though. She, She did. 
you know, she she was out there. She's at this point, she's 75. And, um, you know, she's she's doing really well for herself. Her her acting is probably the best acting in the movie. I, I will give her credit. For I that. have to to Raquel Welch and she are arch enemies. And she, of course, asks one of her friends or something. What do you think of her? And the guy said she's pretty, but nowhere. She can't touch you, May. <laughs> yeah. May's living. Um, Raquel Welch and Mae West have a very complicated relationship. It actually starts out relatively positive. You know, May is paid 350000 for the role. She got to write all of her own scenes, and she is, you know, given top billing. Um, and Raquel obviously is not able to, you know, get all of that. Uh, but Raquel and her start out. They both agree that the script's, you know, pretty bad. Raquel makes some slight against her, but she gives her a gigantic basket of roses, you know, as an apology. May accepts it. They're getting, you know, along okay. And then Dressgate happens. And <laughs> what happened to that? Don't know what Dressgate <laughs> I is. I don't. Please tell um, us. On the first day of shooting, May thought that she would be the only one wearing black and white. Um, May actually did not originally want to just wear black and white, but it was in the script. She eventually did get more color in her wardrobe. But what she didn't know was that 10 of Raquel Welch's, you know, 27 outfits were also black and white. So May shows up. Raquel is in black and white. <laughs> Raquel insists that it's not actually black and white. It's actually a very light blue. There is a gigantic fight. Finally, Richard Zanuck has to come down because this is a Fox film, and he has to confiscate Raquel Welch's dress because <laughs> they are fighting so horribly about this dress. Raquel would eventually get the dress back, and it does make it in the movie. It's you know her black dress with the extremely light blue ruffle that just makes it look white. May could not stand her after this happened. She was extremely, you know, mad that Raquel would try to show her up like that. I mean, let's be honest, Raquel Welch could be in potato sack, and that's who most younger audience members would be looking at. But yes. I digress. And also um, Farrah Fawcett was in the film as well, she just was, briefly. She was. May thought that Farrah Fawcett was an absolute, like, desperate nitwit for taking the role. <laughs> She just, she could not understand it. The movie just wasn't her cup of tea. So Myra Breckenridge comes out, you know, in 1970 and it bombs. It should. It is. You know it, what it, kills me? Because uh, it's a, uh, Rex Reed plays um, pre-op Raquel. Mm-hmm. Or I don't even know. But uh, he has these beautiful Big old blue eyes, and there's Raquel with her brown eyes. So that's like, boy, did she really get, you know, an operation. You know, she even got her eyes changed or whatever. It, it was it, – and John Huston really grossed me out in that film, I have to be honest, too. He was another – you know, but that was a film. It's a must-see because it's so creepy, really. It's there's nothing like it, and that's probably a good thing. I hope so. Uh, uh, one thing too, like Raquel Welch would later say about May that she looked at May's hands and she thought May was a man. Masquerade. May was a man. That was it. Yeah, she and those those rumors would continue. There was one costume dress um, designer, I can't remember which one, who said that they had never seen May naked, and that contributed to the hermaphrodite rumor. Um, we don't I never heard that rumor. About, yeah, there, there's quite a bit out there. We don't know anything about May's genitals, and it really doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. But, but that's um, but, but that's what Raquel said. She was just being a beast. <laughs> Raquel, she, she was, and she was so not speaking. very nice later in life. I knew people who worked with Rocky, and uh, she was <laughs> pretty beastly. I have stories. I, I knew a lot of stagehands, a lot of people who worked. Um, in Broadway, whatever, and I got some good stories about Raquel one day. We'll talk. Okay, I digress. Go. <laughs> um, 
No, so yeah, no. Ra- Raquel and May obviously end up not getting along. Raquel still speaks out about her. It's just it's not a positive relationship. But you know, May is absolutely horrified by the movie. I might add, she just she did not know how it was going to end up. She can't stand it, and she's basically saying she's never going to make another movie again. 1973, her second book, Sex, Health, and ESP, comes out. Um, interestingly, she had approached one writer to do it and offered him a 75-25 split, obviously, with her getting the 75%. <laughs> and he refused. He said no one would take that. That was a stupid offer. Oops. You know, the publishing... Are you okay, Grace? Yeah, just something dropped. That's okay. Okay. The publishing house would never accept that offer. It was a horrible offer. May's just like, oh, okay, you know, like, whatever, dude. She ends up doing the book. The book gets released, and the ghostwriter that she had hired with the publishing company agrees to do a 90-10 split with her. And May's just kind of like, ha-ha, I was going to give you an extra 15%, wow. you know, to the other guy. But the book is successful, you know, she, she makes her money on it. May finally decides, though, hey, you know what? I'm going to do another movie. So um, in 1976, she enters negotiations to bring Sextet to the big screen. And May is going to play the lead. Uh, and the lead is supposed to be 28 years old. And at this point, May is 83 when this project <laughs> oh, is announced. Mirror, mirror uh, on the wall, right? Yeah, no. May I want just, it. She's for it. Um, she, the studio, or not, I shouldn't say studio, but the production company says to her, why don't we have um, Cesar Romero be your lead? Because he was 71 at the time. You know, that's still a sizable age difference. Right, and he was and, dapper. He, he was, and May turns him down because he's too old. <laughs> so December 2nd comes around of 76, and the movie finally begins filming. And they've received news that they're going to get Tony Curtis on the picture. And May is furious because Tony Curtis is too old. How old was Tony Curtis? Tony Curtis at that point would have been in his 50s. Oh, like boy, she's such a, a guy. <laughs> such a, a famous old guy right he he is but he was too old for her mm-hmm. the only character the only actors that she really appreciated besides her friends who made cameos such as george raft uh were timothy dalton who was 29 and george hamilton who was just overly tan and ageless but um May, those are the only two that May thought were young enough to pull off being her love interest. And I'm sure Timothy Dalton says he does not regret doing that movie. And George uh, Hamilton, Mr. Tan Man, is sort of a, you know, he was friends with Imelda Marcos. You know, he knows how to flatter. And, you know, I'm sure he was very flattering to May. 28? She should be 25. You know, something like that. Exactly. And I mean, that that would really appeal to May. Um, she's also upset, at least for a brief period, about Ringo Starr, Keith Moon, who obviously is in The Who, and Alice Cooper being, you know, in, being in the movie. But she eventually accepts it. She realizes it's going to be great for her. Um, Edith Head designs all the costumes for her, just like she had for Maya, Myra Breckenridge. Um, and Edith supposedly says May really just needs a friend. And that's why she keeps agreeing to do her movies. Um, Sextet was not successful. Shocking. Um, there were a lot of celebrity cameos. Hugh Hefner actually did have a cameo in the movie, but ended up on the cutting room floor. Um, for the print that we have today, Regis Philbin is in it. Um, obviously, everyone else I mentioned is in it as well. It's really a trip, and you can watch it for free on YouTube. So I think everyone should watch it after listening to this. You should. Get a glass of wine, a glass of Coke. A sweet tea, whatever you drink, and watch Sextet. It will uh, you will enjoy it. And um, so she did it. And did she know the reviews were stinky? Were people making fun of her at the time, talking about her making the uh, she, film? Did they catch? She it? definitely no. She she definitely got it. The film was completed, you know, by like seventy seven. But it would take 
a couple years to find a distributor for it. It just it took, you know, basically about a year and a half to find a distributor for it. Um, people said that it was exploiting her. Uh, that, that was really the biggest thing. It wasn't so much that people made fun of her. It's that they felt like she was being exploited for this film. But she did it. She was, you know, semi-happy with it. She um, wanted then, to do it, right? She she did. She did want to do it. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, it, it came out um, in, in 78. It came out. Movie just didn't do so hot. But I would consider a campy cult classic. I think everyone should watch that movie. I love that movie. I love when um, they do the don't go breaking my heart duo timothy dalton in her <laughs> I, I, it's just it's really painful i think the best part is the very last scene with the paul revere quip and i <laughs> i just can't but everyone should watch it um anyway so she does the movie like you said it takes about you know a little over a year to get distribution so 78 finally gets distribution um at this point may starts going really downhill uh she suffers a couple strokes. Her tongue is paralyzed, Ugh. you know, towards the end of her life. Then her arm becomes paralyzed. Um, Paul Novak is by her side every step of the way. He is caring for her. He is at the hospital nonstop a um, couple months before she died because she was in the hospital for about three months before she passed away. Um, it all it's all started with a fall on August 10th, which would be seven days before her 87th birthday. We share the same birthday, August 17th, me and May. Um, see, you're you're blessed. This mm-hmm. is where you get your good vibe. It's all for May. I love I need to, I, I, I've been wanting to know your secrets, and so now I know. <laughs> and I, I'm really 105. And I oh look, wow, yes. Yeah, so I look pretty damn good for my age. I you say. look, you look amazing. <laughs> thank you. I, I would use some expletives <laughs> to describe how amazing you look. Well, thank you. Um, but uh, anyway, so May, you know. She falls out of bed one day. She has a couple strokes. And she finally passes away on November 22nd, 1980. And she is 87 years old. Go. And she still thought she was this young, virile, gorgeous, hunka hunka burning broad. I love that. She she did. She she wasn't lucid for a while there. Um, But, you know, she would tell Paul to take her to her mother's house. Um, But she didn't know who Paul was. But she would tell him, take me to my mother's house. And her mother had died in 1930. Yeah, she loved her um, mom. She tried to get in touch with her during that, all that stuff. So she did. She died at home, right? Um, so she died in the, yeah, she died at home. Um, but she did have a nurse there. And Paul came in one day and she was completely gray. Ugh. He proceeded to call um, he, he knew, and she was like cold and clammy. He knew that she was going to pass away soon. So he calls the local Protestant church. He can't get a hold of them. He calls a Catholic church and a Catholic priest rush over, gives her her last rites, and she dies 10 minutes later. What a life, what a broad, and no one could ever be like Mae West. I don't care who you, and Jillian, I believe I was reading about, she did a, because I was reading a lot of May stuff today. She did a movie playing Mae West. I haven't seen that. But, you know, who could be Mae West? I can't even fathom anyone playing her. There, There's never going to be anyone who can fully capture Mae West. Or stand She's under seven-inch platform shoes. <laughs> no, no. And that that isn't... I'm glad you brought the shoes. Actually, one of my friends, her name's Elisa Jordan. She's great. She's like a walking expert on Hollywood. Um, she actually owns a pair of Mae's shoes. Cool. And they're... You see the regular heel, like a regular shoe, but if you lift it up a little bit, there's a smaller shoe inside it, and that was actually May's shoe. Can she take a picture and I can post it? Yeah, I'll, I'll ask oh, her I'd for you. Oh, I love it. Okay, so let's just do a few things. These are, I, I was looking up something just to get something new on May. And this is 42 titillating facts about May West, the original blonde bombshell, but 
you know, there's not that many titillating facts, but there are things that I didn't know. West's considerable bust inspired soldiers during World War II to name life jackets after her due to their ability to keep them from sinking. The nickname for the life jackets endures far beyond the Second World War and West's lifetime. How about that? Did you know that? You must have. Oh, yeah. I, I did. Um, actually, during the Vietnam War, they were uh, their name was changed temporarily to Jane Mansfield while Jane was in Vietnam. Ah, I don't blame. And him. there were digs made about May because, of course, there were. But yeah. Oh, this is what this kind of ki- cracks me up, you guys. But I've read this, and I know you know this too. Whatever works. One of May. One of West's more eccentric habits to prepare for film work was her use of enemas. She would reportedly take them in the morning, and she claimed that they improved her physical health considerably. In true West fashion, she also commented that enemas resulted her in her smelling sweet at both ends. <laughs> How did she know? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that, that's when you don't want to touch. Interestingly, though, Paul made sure to give her an enema while she was in the hospital. That's love. That and is she, love. She came back. Like, you know, she was feeling really sick because they hadn't realized that she had diabetes and they'd mm. given her too much sugar. He gave her an enema and they changed her meal and she came back. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. She also had a chimpanzee, just like Michael Jackson. Did you know that? I, I did not know about the chimpanzee. Yes, she didn't have uh, what was it wasn't bubbles. I forgot the name. I don't have it close, but she did. Um, uh, yeah, so she was fascinating. And guess what? We're under an hour. We have done so well. You know what's good? Yeah, too. Thelma Todd is probably. You know, I have to uh, take stuff out, so maybe it's it's about an hour as well. And this is. An hour, but you know, it was fun, and there are new things I learned about May, even though I've done other shows on her. There, thank you so much, April, because there's really you taught me a lot of new things. Oh, good, and I'm sure the audience never heard of them either. And her enema, I know I should have left out, but miraculously, she did come and to her own when he gave her one at the hospital. But you know, a lot of people swear by them. What can I tell you? Not just May. Hey, you know, if, if an enema makes her feel better, that, that's what she needs out of life. What the heck? So she was fabulous. We love our May. And she what, is our number three in the history of Blonde Bombshells. And next week, we'll be talking about who, April? We will be talking about the one and only Betty Grable, who is one of my absolute favorites. Yes. And uh, she was the big pinup girl. And I am really looking forward to talking about her because I have never done a show on Betty. And it will be a lot of fun. I'll be learning some new stuff. And I have a book I'm reading this week about her and finding out more about Betty. So I am looking forward to it. And thank you, April. I mean, you guys, if you know some of the stuff... We, uh, it took us like a half hour to get the show on the road because of all these little things. And she is so patient and wonderful. And I love April. And thank you so much for doing this with me. And um, it's a blast. I love it. And thank you, April. Oh, no. Thank you, Grace. I just love you, too. You are so sweet. And you are so professional and nice. And it just, it always goes so well. Well, till next week, everybody. Thank you. We love our May. Thank you, April. Thank you guys for listening. Talk soon. Bye, everybody. Frankie and Johnny were lovers. Long gone, but now they could love. Swore they'd be true to each other. True as the stars above. He was a man. Johnny was doing all wrong Frankie went round the corner To get a bucket of beer Said to the man, call the bartender Have you seen my Johnny here? He's my man And I loves him so I ain't gonna tell you no stories I ain't gonna tell you no lies So you may Johnny Lee found an hour ago with that girl named Nellie Bly. He's your man, and he's doing you wrong. Frankie went 